day it is. Well, today or this weekend is a Labor Day weekend, which marks the transition from summer to fall so often. I know when I was growing up, uh, that was when I had to put my white jeans up. Do y'all, anybody from the South? You know, you couldn't wear your white shoe, your little white patent leather shoes to church anymore. You know, you had to put those up and put on the black ones. So all back in the day. But, but this weekend is really designed uh, not just for, uh, for barbecues and for, you know, kind of when Georgia football starts. Did anybody watch that game? It was so funny. I, I went to bed. And, uh, but anyway, because so, I got to get up and go to church. I got to preach. You know, I got to have some energy. But of course, Mark, you know, he was not. But I, was, I said, well, how do you think George is going to do? He said, I don't know. Can they make it to the end? Can they hold out? And so anyway, he, I woke up this morning. I said, how'd they do? He said, they won. But uh, anyway, all that to say, I digress. But this weekend is really uh, was designed uh, to celebrate the accomplishments and achievements of the American worker and the contributions that, that our labor force had made uh, to the benefit of our nation. It was also to celebrate and remember uh, changes that had been made to the labor laws to uh, protect workers, to make uh, our work environments a safer environment and kind of some of the progress uh, that had happened. And so in light of that, I wanted us to take a little bit of time today to think about work to think about uh, the work that you do, uh, the work that I do, and to really ask the question, does our work matter to God? Does our work, the work that we do, matter to God? Now, let me quickly, let me just define what I mean by work. Um, so if some of you I see are retired. So, woohoo! that's, that's yeah, I saw, I saw some folks over there. Yeah, some folks who are about to retire. So, so what I mean, I see we've got some students here, so some of you are in school. But what I mean by work is really that which you do, kind of how you spend your life, your day, your time. So for some of us, uh, you know, we are employed, and so that constitutes my work, what I I do what Martha Bowman pays me to do to serve you. Uh, but so, you know, so it could be that. It also for stay at home moms, it's all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that you make. If you're retired, it's the, it's the, it's kind of how you spend your life and your day. Um, and so the question is, um, does what we do for work, whether that's in an office, whether that's in a factory, whether that's at Chick-fil-A, a restaurant, a kitchen, or a studio, uh, if you're retired, your volunteer work, does it matter? matter to God. Now, when I think about this question, um, I think that one of the things that we have done a good job of in the church is helping people understand that who you are when you go to work matters. Wouldn't you agree that we, we talk about that every so often, that, you know, that whether you're working in a hospital or an office or uh, wherever your sphere of influence is, you have the opportunity to be a light in the darkness. So that is a different sermon, and that is not the sermon that I am talking about today. What I'm asking today is, does, the, does the, what you produce and what you do, does it matter to God? Yesterday, um, my bathroom had gotten a little too grungy. Um, I don't know about y'all, other folks in here, but sometimes I'll give it a lick and a promise and a lick and a promise. And then all of a sudden, I realize the grout has said, oh yeah, we're needing, we're needing some attention. Probably spent an hour in there. You might with a little scrub brush getting deep in the grout. Okay, I see some heads going up and down. So my question is, did that work matter to God? 
Does what we do with our life and our time, does it matter to God? Now, for some of us who work in a church, uh, yes, obviously our work matters to God. I mean, I get to spend my day reading and praying and thinking about you and things like that. But what about, you know, if you are an interior decorator? Uh, what if you are a lawyer? What if you are an accountant? What if you are um, fill in the blank, does that work matter to God? And I think the tension is that sometimes we, this is kind of how we can view our work. Uh, one is we see it as something that is totally and completely separate from our faith and from our discipleship. We feel like that when we're really doing the spiritual stuff is when maybe you're having your quiet time or maybe when you're sharing your faith at the water cooler or maybe when you're leading a Bible study. Uh, so, you, so you see kind of your nine to five, that 40 hours a week, you see it really is separate from your discipleship. I think another one, uh, another view that we often as Christians sometimes we see uh, our work is basically I hate what I do, uh, I don't enjoy what I do, it's not what I would hope to do, but I've, I've got to pay the bills. I mean I have, to, I have to provide for my family and what I really want to do is make a lot of money so that one day I can retire and do what I really want to do. I actually had a conversation with a young millennial couple uh, a couple of weeks ago and they said we're really just working as hard as we can and trying to save as much money as we can so that by the time we're in our you know, mid-40s, we want to retire and do what we really want to do with our lives and don't have to worry about uh, the financial obligation of paying bills. So I think that's one mindset. Uh, another mindset is that, and we kind of know this one is bad because uh, we talk about this in church, is when your work becomes your idol, it becomes your religion, it becomes your God, it becomes everything that you pour yourself into, it becomes what you sacrifice for, where you get your identity um, all of that. And we, we kind of know at some level that's not good either. And so the big idea is that I wanted us to kind of explore, we're going to look at the scriptures, but I'm going to give you the big idea right now, is that I would say that God is connected to every part of your life. And that includes uh, cleaning, if it means cleaning your shower and getting the mildew and the mold out of the grout, that God is connected to every part of your life, including your job, your schoolwork, your parenting. And the question that we're exploring is what would it look like if you invited Him him into your work situation? What would it look like if you invited him into that situation and beyond you just being a, a light in the darkness and a witness for him? Parker Palmer, a great writer, um, he, said, he wrote this, this in his, a book, it's called Let Your Life Speak. It's one of my favorite little books. Um, and it's, he says that most people are asking two fundamental questions. What am I meant to do and who am I meant to be? And so that's kind of what we're looking at today. What is it that I'm meant to do, and who am I meant to be? Well, let's look at, let's start with the very first story, the, ver the very first worker in the Bible. Uh, do you know who that would be? God. <laughs> that is the church answer. <laughs> that is the church answer. It is God. All right, let's read about the first worker in the Bible. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and it was empty. 
and darkness covered the deep waters. So here in the beginning, uh, we don't know what happened before this. We don't know, you know, there's the question, what was God doing before he created the heavens and the earth? The authors do not tell us, but he describes what, what, what we're in right now, what it was like. And it says that it was formless and it was empty. Another uh, translation says that it was wild and waste. It was wild and waste. Now here's a question I want us to think about. Was it bad and was it evil? No. It just was wild and waste. It was untamed. It was uninhabitable. And then we read in verse 3 that God said in light of this, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and then he separated the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day. So the first thing that God does is he begins to take this wild and this waste, this, this uh, formless, empty darkness, this place that is uninhabitable, this place that is untamed, and he begins to bring order. He begins to set the day and the night. The, he sets the, everything in motion for the seasons. We see him create the sea and the land and the stars and the moon and beautiful plants and seed-bearing plants and all of the things, and he begins to bring beauty and order out of the chaos, out of the wild and the waste. Then on the sixth day, the Lord said, let us make human beings in our image because I want them to be, I'm kind of inserting my, you know, South Georgia commentary here. He said, the reason I want to do this is because I want them to be like us. I want them to be like us. And of course, that's the plural form there uh, that we see in the Hebrew of God. So we believe that is the nod to the Trinity. He said, I've, I've done all this. I've created, you know, order and beauty out of the wild and the, and the waste. But now I want to make humanity to be like us. And here is their purpose. I want them them to reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, right here, he says, this is what I have created humanity to do. I have created humanity to reign, to rule. Now, just sit with this for a moment. When I hear that phrase, to reign, I think of, I almost think about a king or a queen reigning, you know, and ruling. I don't know that that is exactly kind of the meaning here. Um, think about the whole idea of, of taming something that is wild and waste. Think about uh, if you were a farmer back in, you know, back in the day, and you had a vineyard, which actually, you know, I shouldn't say back in the day, people still have vineyards, obviously. If you have a, a vine, a, a grapevine, um, and you just let that thing go, you just let it go, are you going to be able to produce any wine from those grapes? No, it can be wild and waste. As a farmer, as a winemaker, you take that and you cultivate it and you, you do all the things that you, you tame it, you rule over it, you reign over it so that you might uh, create a, a, a wine or create, you know, whatever you're going to create from. So I think it is this idea of reigning, of, of taking that which is wild and waste and bringing beauty 
and good out of it. Now, on the flip side, I believe that God has put this capacity within each of us that it also can be misused. We think about ruling and reigning. We think about using our work to push back the darkness sometimes. I think of humanity. Uh, I think of us ruling and reigning over sickness. I think about all the, uh, the doctors and the nurses and the medical professionals that go to school so many years so that they might, you know, kind of push back the darkness with, with sickness and disease, uh, that we build hospitals, we build orphanages, we build schools. So I think when we are using our God-given gift and wiring and talent to do good, to rule and to reign, we are bringing order out of the chaos for the benefit of others and for beauty. So I, can't, I think that's the good side of it. I think the, the bad side of it, the negative side, we're going to get to in just a minute here. Then um, chapter 2, uh, we hear it's a retelling of the Genesis story, but I, I, there's one little thing I want us to listen to. And so he, he basically tells the same story twice, but he gives us a little bit more detail. He says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them, they were completed. The seventh day, God finished his work. So he's been working for six days, creating, bringing order out of the chaos, beauty, ruling and reigning. And it says he rested, he blessed the seventh day. Day. But then he said, it says, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither the wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord had not yet sent rainwater to the earth, because, because, okay, here where we, we get to be a part of the story, because there were no people. Now, what were the people needed to do? There were no people to cultivate the soil. There were no people to rule and to reign over the soil. You, you know, to cultivate, to rule, to reign. And instead, the springs came up from the ground and they watered the land. But then it says that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his mouth the, the, the breath of life. Um, and he gives him, you know, a, a, a helpmate, Eve. And it says, but the Lord, he placed the man that he had made into the garden. Because what's he supposed to do? He's to rule and he is to reign over his creation, over his beautiful creation. Now, I think the reason this is so important to us is because this all occurred before chapter 3. We're, ju we're just in Genesis 1 and 2. Who, who knows what happened? Who, what is about to happen in chapter 3? Yeah, the serpent, the fall, all of that. But this is before the fall. This is before the curse. This is before evil has been injected into God's good creation. Tim Mackey, who is the founder of the Bible Project and just a renowned Hebrew scholar, he comments on chapters 1 and 2 in Genesis, and this is what he says about work. I thought it was so powerful. He said, what does it mean to work? Now think about this. This is apart from what we're about to get into about the fall and how work has become corrupted and tarnished. But he says, what does it mean to work? He said, taking the wild and the waste and bringing out order and beauty and benefit for someone else. Order, beauty, and benefit. We're going to kind of come back to this. But I love those three words. He brings order, and he brings beauty, 
and he brings benefit for others. When you think about using that analogy of, of planting a vineyard or, or maybe having a herd of cattle or sheep or something like that, you, you, you produce this, you rule, you reign, you cultivate, not just for yourself, but so that others might benefit from your labor, that others might benefit. You think about if you're a landscape architect, think if you're an interior decorator, if you think about an artist, you don't just create those things for yourself. You create your works of art for the benefit of others. So here before we see uh, work corrupted, uh, we see that its divine purpose is order and beauty and benefit. All right, what happens in chapter three? Y'all want to do, do the music? Da, 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 da. All right, here we go. The serpent, chapter 3, verse 1. We knew it was coming. The serpent, he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? This, this story is well known whether you have grown up in church or not. Adam and Eve, they are tempted by Satan. They eat the apple. And then comes the curse because they've chosen to not really submit to the rule and the reign of God Almighty. But here is how that affected their work and your work and my work. Since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you eat of its grain by the sweat of the brow until you have enough to eat, until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So this is, I think, what so many of us experience. I mean, I think about, uh, you know, talking to someone that I know who has their PhD, and for years they struggled to find employment that was... Um, that was in line with what they had gone to school to do. For years, they were what would, we would consider to be underemployed uh, because they had to pay bills and things like that, but they hadn't really lived into what their hope or their vocation was. Uh, we know that I think about my grandparents uh, growing up in the Great Depression, and I remember my grandmother talking about being a dairy farmer and growing cotton and just how, you know, they really lived uh, kind of from season to season to season. Uh, with a just a bare minimal existence. Um, I think about so much work that is done around the world that, that is unholy, that is ungodly, that, that exploits other human beings for the benefit of, of self, for the benefit of self. And so that is where we see sin has entered into the picture and it has corrupted our work. But the question is, and let's think about this, what does that mean for you and for me today? Does that mean, ah, what does it matter? Let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Or does it mean, no, let's just work, 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 and get all we can so that I can retire because it's become so corrupted. This is not the Garden of Eden. Jesus enters the picture. Jesus the living God, the Son of God, becomes human, becomes flesh, and comes and dwells among us. He is the one who has redeemed our work. Let's see what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. He, speaking of God, creates each of us by Christ Jesus. You have been created by God. 
And this is what we have been created to do, to join him in the work that he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Let's think about that just for a second. Think about your work. Think about your context. Now, here I am. I work on a church staff. So if you work on a church staff or if you work with a nonprofit, you're feeding the homeless, you're, you know, if you're doing anything like that, that we know your work matters. We know that's part of God's mission. I'm, I'm asking about the, the physical therapist. I'm asking about uh, those who are in the Chick-fil-A line. I'm asking about where it might not be clear how your work is connected to God's kingdom work. But God has sanctified what we do. It's what it means. It's, it's a part of being human. And, and that Christ has, joined, has invited us to join him in the work that he is doing, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we had better be doing. I think we see in this passage is that we, as, as kind of living in this, this world that has fallen and yet we have the redemption of Christ, that there is that tension, but we are invited to, to invite the Lord into the work that we do, that that work might be a part of what he's doing today. Think about right now this moment where we're sitting, Okay. Think about the work that had to occur that we might have this moment, that we might have this moment when we were just literally entering into the presence of God, worshiping Jesus. Think about uh, the individuals that painted the walls. Think about, and I, and I was here when those walls were getting painted, just going to say. Think about um, the person that, that created, um, that Randy and Betsy Griffin uh, made that beautiful cross up there. Uh, I know, you know, who donated the materials for the lights to create the ambiance in here. The custodians that come in and switch and mop these floors and make sure that the bathroom was clean. The person that set up the water that you could drink before you came in. The sound engineers that made sure that all the sound was mixed. And, and, um, you know, and then when your speaker forgets to turn their microphone on, that Jeremy Hammock has enough knowledge to know how to switch the mute button back to, you know, all the people that it took that we might, the people who made the chairs that you sit in, the people who paved the roads that you used to drive here, the people who built the cars. Do you see how our work is interconnected? And here's the thing that I think we miss. The work that you do, it matters to God. It, it can be a part of his good creation. I love this when we think about Jesus. We think about Jesus dying on the cross. We think about Jesus and the miracles. We think about this. But, but the Gospels really record three years of his life. What was he doing from the time he was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old until the time he turned 30 and, and you know, kind of came on the, on the stage there? What was he doing? It says that he was a, some, some say he was a carpenter, a stonemason. Basically, he was, he was a carbon lab, common labor. He built things. He just built, he built houses. He, he built tables. He built, you know, we don't really know because what he built hasn't lasted. It hasn't, you know, we, we don't, there's not a museum somewhere over in the Holy Land that says this is the table that Jesus built. You know, no, it, it didn't last for whatever. But think about this, that the God of all creation the God who said, let there be light, he thought that it was worth his while to become human, 
build a table, build somebody a house, uh, work with his hands, create something that's a beauty, something that was useful, to take the raw materials of stone and wood and create, bring order, beauty, the benefit of others. You see how God's good creation gets redeemed, our work gets redeemed in Christ. I like the way Tish, Tish Harrison um, said it this way in her book, Prayer in the Night. She said, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But first, we work. We work. We leave our small mark on the world. For the most part, it will be erased. But our work matters. That's what I want us to take away today. Our work matters. Your work matters. Our work, whether it's drudgery or joy, skilled or common, it makes a difference. Done well, it adds beauty and goodness to the world. And here's the phrase that just kind of, I remember when I read this, I just had to pause and just kind of worship. But she says this, she said, our work, it pushes back the darkness. Isn't that beautiful? Your good work done in Christ, the good work that he has created you to do, whether that's a small business owner, uh, and whatever it is, your work has the ability to, as you partner with Christ, to push back the darkness. As human beings, work is this divine gift. Um, it is something that we can do to imitate the creativity and the goodness of our Creator. It is something that we can do, whatever that little patch of garden is, whatever that little patch of garden is that God has given you, that little patch of garden that is in front of you, it is how you bring beauty and order so that others might benefit from your work. I want to leave you with some questions as you think about this today. Where is the wild and the waste? in your sphere of influence. Think about that. Before the world was born, it was formless, it was void, it was wild and waste, and God said, let there be light, and he separated the light from the darkness, and you see him beginning to bring order to the chaos. Where is that chaos? <laughs> For those of you who are stay-at moms, you're like, it is always chaos. Let me just say, always. Yes, Ashley, <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all there. Uh, Kyle and Lucy. Where's the wild and the waste in your office? Where's the wild and the waste inside of you? Inside of you. What needs order? What needs beauty? What needs to be uh, kind of changed so that it's not all about you and your selfishness, but what you're doing is for the benefit of others? Where can you put your hand to the place that will bring order and beauty so that others might benefit? You know, I think there is this temptation um, inside of me. Maybe you experience this where sometimes I just, I don't know, I, you can get, I can get bored, I can get a little lazy, I can get a little weary. But what if we kind of, you know, get, eh, eh, how am I, I going to spend my time? Eh, it's my day off. I think I'm just going to sit in front of, you know, watch four hours of Netflix. Um, yeah, what, what, what eternal difference will it make? if I don't live into who God has created to me, me to be, not just in my witness, but also in what it is that he's called me to do, no matter what my season of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.